Uh, it's just it's just an overwhelming sense of pride and happiness. I don't I don't even think like hey, it's great that I did. Like it's literally got nothing to do with me. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of pride and happiness. It's it's really cool. It's a really really cool feeling. I I I love it. It's like a, it's like an addiction. Timmy Oki, you're very welcome to the podcast. Cheers, Paul. Thanks for having me. Timmy, I understand you're you're based in Ireland, but your accent tells me. And and your LinkedIn profile too. If I was, yeah, if I'm honest, <laughs> you grew up in England. Tell me a little bit about that. Where you grew up and what kind of childhood it was. Yeah, so um, so I'm a born and bred Londoner, Paul. Um, to Northwest London, little little area of the world called uh, Finchley, if you know it. Um, I, I know North Finchley. I lived there for a summer. Ah, uh, very nice. Yeah, so I was, I was East Finchley. So, okay. so near enough, near enough, nice, nice enough part of the world. Um. Yeah, born and bred there. In terms of in terms of my childhood, I think I was, well, I was definitely fortunate, right? So my my mom uh, was at the time a barrister. Right? My dad was an architect, so uh, managed to go to managed to go to a nice school, right? And we had the holidays and and all that and all that fun stuff each year. Um, but I think one thing that that really shaped me and and still shapes me to this day, and I just how I go about life is. Is so my my dad had ALS, right? Or in this part of the world, uh, motor neurons disease. So, um, so he got pretty sick, pretty you know, while I was pretty young. Ended up passing away when I was fifteen, right? So, there are kind of two sides <laughs> to 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 me growing up. It's one is hey, everything's there for you, right? Great education, come up there and get it and make the most of yourself. And the other part is there's all this stuff going on. We get in and out of hospitals and go with different specialists, right? When you're not in in school, right, and you're trying to do your GCSEs and trying to try to study, so, um, and I'm a middle child, middle of three boys, so I was kind of left alone, right, as you always get with the middle child, but then also with kind of some some heavy, heavy home things going on. So, um, an interesting, an interesting, and very child, very varied childhood, I'd say, Paul. But what it what it gave me and enabled me to do was take things on myself, right, and. Mm. Um, uh, I, I understand. I love family support and friends support, but it, Greg, I'm, I'm me. Right, things are going to happen completely outside of my control. So it's all about controlling the controllables and what's within my sphere of influence. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that's really really formed me and shaped me and, and led me to yeah. who I am. Yeah. Can I ask you a question about that, if you don't mind? Only as much as you're yeah. comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Is that my, my father passed away when I was twenty, but it was sudden. I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. My mother. Only a few years ago, 2016, uh, but that she took two years to die. Uh, gotcha. It's awful in its own way. Yeah, so it's but but my reaction to both, my experience of both, was very very different. In that mm. when you don't have a chance to prepare for something, you react to it in one way. When you do have a chance to prepare for it, mm. it's it's a, it, it's a different experience. And every yeah. but thing is, everybody's experience is different. And when you're 15. I'm just curious to know, as much as you're comfortable with, when yeah. you're 15, when you're going through that, and it's it's kind of a long because with ALS, we we know there is no cure, mm. um, but um, everybody's path is different, and I was just yeah. curious to know what that does to a 15 year old. Does it make you grow up really quickly? For example, uh, yeah. does it make you? Go inside yourself more and and more introverted. That that's what I'm in, really interested in. 
Yeah, they're very, very good questions. Um, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize this for probably about, I don't know, seven or eight years after, or until seven or eight years afterwards. Um, but I think for, for me, I was always an introvert, right? Still, still am an introvert. There's a sliding scale. I've got one, one of the books behind me is probably, um, a book called Quiet by Susan Kane, right? How introverts should live in a, in a world of extroverts, which completely changed my life. So I was always on the more introverted side of things. Um, but with that, it definitely, definitely made me become more introverted. Um, especially, especially with like my, I'm, I'm a very, I'm very focused on self-reflection. Right? I know it's always have been naturally. I don't know, don't know why it's just, you know, I, I, part of this comes from self being self-conscious, right? And how people view me and all that, and all that fun stuff. Um, but throughout that process, obviously there's less attention on me. Right. There's less, you know, whether, whether I wanted something or needed something, it's, it was never really that important, right? Now, whether if that's accurate, right? Or whether that was in my mind at the time is, is debatable. Mm. But I think the, it, it was, it was really weird, right? Looking back on it and to answer your question directly in terms of the impact it had on me, I personally didn't see it coming, right? Mm. I would see it coming now as an older person, but, but me personally, you know, like my dad would do the sports days, you know, the father-son race or, or, um, we had a father-son cricket, <laughs> cricket match, right? That's one of, one of my earliest memories, like six or seven, and we were doing that. Um, and then it deteriorated from there. So it was always in my mind as this kind of big, strong, big, strong lads, right? He's, you know, it was my dad and, and then nothing that could ever happen to him. Despite him getting sick, I, I don't know if it was a protection thing. Uh, I imagine it was a protection thing from, from my mom, but, um, yeah, we weren't quite, well, I at least wasn't quite given the, the ins and outs right, of, hey, this is no neurons, there's no cure. Yeah, it, it could be a super fast degradation of motor neurons skill the next year, could, could be slow over the next 20. Like, we didn't quite have that mm. conversation closely. I was, you know, from 10, 11, 12, super young to kind of have that conversation. So, mm. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I didn't, didn't quite see it coming. Whereas I would now, right? Whereas like the ALS challenge and all the publicity around it, I think a lot more people understand it now. Uh, I didn't, it was a, it was a big shock. Um, and it, it made me go more into myself and made me just a lot more angry, right? Really, like really angry. It's not lashing out at people or things, but just within myself, angry at kind of the world, <laughs> uh, and life. We're very, very, very religious, right? So I was angry, angry at guards and everything was, uh, everything was unfair and the, the odds were stacked against me and what's the point and, and all that, you know, all, all of those thoughts. So I think for the next, as I said, five, six, maybe seven years, uh, which is super angry, right? Or small things would make me angry. Small things mm. outside my control specifically, um, as if there were slights against me, which was interesting. And I realized, realized it right through reading, um, through more self-reflection and just general growing up, um, that, uh, that, that's what had happened really. So it's, it's interesting, it made me more angry, definitely made me grow up, uh, but also made me more insular and, and, and more introverted for sure. Yeah, no, that, that is interesting. Cause again, you mentioned middle children, they often do get left alone, which can, you know, <laughs> kind of aid the self-reflection. But I'm curious about the angry thing. Cause that happened to me as well. Post 2016, mm -hmm. it was a few things that happened, but right. because I'm not I, I don't journal, maybe I wasn't aware of it. And mm. it wasn't the feeling of being angry all the time. Although people around me said I was more snappy uh, mm. and I only kind of 
in life where a lot of it was coming from when I started talking to somebody about it, a professional. Yeah. Um, and that was really helpful to me. Did you, I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing that the self-reflection has that same impact. I'm wondering when you became aware of this consciously and then said, okay, I need to do something about this. Yeah. Um, no, very, very good question. I don't have it. There's, there's an exact, you know, an exact moment in time that I could pinpoint it. I kind of noticed, noticed it over, over the years as similar interactions. And I had, I still do have a really close friend group. So I'm going to school with each other at the age of six and they're still some of my best friends, you know, 20, 24, 25 years later. Um, but, and over, over a long stretch of time like that, similar interactions come up, similar situations come up in scenarios. And you kind of know, you know, you know how Bob's going to act, you know how Adam will act and change in plans or whatever it is. And someone always drops out, right? Um, except my reaction had changed, right? And a few of them had said it. So this is probably say maybe three or four years later. So I just about to go off to, to uni and, and they're like, well, you know, you didn't used to react like that, right? But you've been acting in, in this new way for quite some time. Very similar to what you said in that portrait. It's really snappy, right? Actually, mm. just, just like that. I'd, I'd snap. Oh, something in hindsight, quite minute, right? And you could digest it and so the friend of the end of the world. Um, but it was, it was people around me noticing. Like my mom, had, my mom had said it, my mom had said it for years, right? And I was a bit, a bit hard-headed and a bit stubborn. I was like, ah, oh, whatever, whatever mom, right? You know, um, you know, teenager knows best kind of thing. Mm. Uh, but it's when everyone else, like it wasn't one or two people. Um, it, it was a bit, a bit of a groundswell of, you know, take it, take it easy, right? You don't need to, uh, you need to snap. And I, I also there'd been, I think enough time had elapsed between the events, right? Of my dad's passing and, and my actions for people to go, well, what's, what's going on here? Mm. Look, I think, I don't know, I don't know what, it'd be interesting to hear about your experience, mm. right? Yeah, you, no, it, 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 yeah. it is. That, the thing is, you're not always aware of it. And that's the thing. And sometimes, you know, your close friends, they'll give you that latitude. They just mm. kind of go, look, Paul's in a bad mood or whatever, you know, the, the that, yeah. Or that's just who he is, type of thing, and it's only later. In fact, I was I was listening to uh, a sketch by Bill Burr, the American comedian, yeah. the other day, and he's known for that just that those kind of bursts of anger, and mm -hmm. his would be more than snappy, I think, by his own admission. <laughs> but it was funny because um, in this little sketch he does, he's talking about his wife's reaction to it. And she says to him, I don't understand how you can go from naught to a hundred in an instant. And he yeah. goes, you don't understand. He says, I idle at 75. He says, <laughs> I'm already wound up when I'm walking <laughs> into that restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the funny bit was he says, uh, I'm offended. He says, because it tells me that you're not listening to me. All those stories mm -hmm. about my childhood that you haven't followed the breadcrumbs to know why I'm like this. Yeah, uh, And I just thought, you know, yeah, it was comedy, but he captured it perfectly. And I think for me, that's what a lot of the self-reflection, whether it's your, your own work you do over time or whether it's talking to a professional, for me, what it does is it doesn't change the background. What it does is brings down the idle speed. So now you're maybe idle at 25. So it takes a lot more Yeah, uh, because I do think anger is a valid emotion in certain circumstances. Yeah. Absolutely. It's there for a reason. It's, it's, it's how much below the surface it can be that, that can bubble up, which is that's it. interesting because 
I've Sorry. spoken to a lot of sales leaders mm -hmm. and th there is that common phrase where there's a, a sense of as they get more and more experienced, they become more aware of their own impact. That was the big one for me. It was my, not so much my impact on myself, my impact on those around me yep. who are sometimes maybe afraid to bring something up because of how I might react. And right. It's the little snappy. It's the, you know, it's the, it's the pit bull. It's, you, yeah. you don't know whether I should be rubbing it because mostly pit bulls are friendly or mm -hmm. is this, is this the moment? Yeah. And yeah, uh, exactly. that's what fascinates me about it. So look, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. It's, uh, no, it's, uh, it's, an, you, you did, I see you uh, were a rugby captain in college. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so well, it's rugby, played rugby for 12, 13 years there, thereabouts. So. Again, started at six. Okay, my life, most of what I remember started at six, to be fair. Um, yeah, played rugby all the way through. Um, went for went for Middlesex County trials, became captain for my sixth form. So, so in, in Ireland, in Ireland college, right? So 16, 17, 18, that, that kind of, that kind of age range. And I went to, to uni, the uni of Kent and, uh, I continued there. So yeah. And then, yeah. I, and then I took my shoulders. I haven't played now in, in, in about eight, nine years. <laughs> so, good times. Yeah. But I think that, like, working in a team for so many years and, and then mm. moving up to leave the team has definitely inspired more, not so much my, my individual contributor career as a self. Mm. Definitely, like, we are in this together. We have a team number outside of my own number. We've got a team mm. number that's I see. But it's really helped, I think, from a team lead, right? And from a, from a, from a sales leader perspective, it's yeah. understanding that everyone's different, right? And it's, it's tough now and it's, it's tough in a professional sense, but like, I don't you know, not that I had as much power, as much say so back then, but back then it's, you know, there are 14 other people, this is rugby youth, there are 14 other people, not the seven or eight I have now. And they're in very different positions and they're again, very different personalities around an age where, uh, uh, you know, almost we have more mood swings than you have as you, as you get older. Right. So mm. it's, it was, it was a fascinating time. It's great crack, right? Really, really good fun. Mm. But, um, taught me a lot. And kind of, I think that was where I was like, <clears throat> one day I'd love to, I'd love to be a people leader in whatever I do. And mm. at that time, no, I wanted to go into sales at all. Um, just about figured out I wanted to go into tech. <laughs> so, um, but whichever field I ended up in, I was like, this, this is, this is fun. This is interesting. It was challenging in a way I'd not experienced before. So in terms of your role as leader now, what do you feel would be missing had you not had your rugby experience? I would be missing if I hadn't had my rugby experience. Um, probably, probably, probably an element of, I guess, emotional intelligence and an empathy. Um, which is, yeah, which has really been born out by having led and worked with multiple people, multiple different personalities. So I, I actually fell back into, I fell back into a kind of a pattern of not having that emotion. So just not having that, that, uh, empathy in my previous role, right? When I said a business development at Momentum, um, I came in, I was like, okay, well, I want to have an impact, right? The, the team are doing well, I'm taking, I want to do, do this and do this and do this. And the sun will down and said, This is the plan, right? This is where we go, this is how we do things, right? And some, you know, some people take their forms, grants. Mm. Um, others, you know, they might need to understand the why, they might need yeah. to do the one to one setting instead of a group setting, 
right? They might, they might need to, yeah, whatever, whatever it is, there are different motivators and different ways of working with people to achieve the same outcome, same objective. Yeah. And I would not have had that, uh, if I hadn't had that, that rugby and that captain experience, not, not at all. Right. I probably would have, by this stage in, in time, probably would have left the sales leadership, open kicked yeah. that, right? Cause you can't, yeah. you can't, you can't run, you can't run an org or, or a team in that way. So, yeah, yeah. And, and there's no hiding place in, 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 when you're in sports and you're in that role either, but you have to step up. Otherwise you, you can't bring people with you unless you've already stepped up. You know, it's, exactly. it's interesting. I was reading, uh, something on the weekend. It was a Tommy Bull, Irish rugby he, player, you know, yeah. Tommy. and he's, he's now retired and he does this morning show mm-hmm. and I can't, actually the article was about his co-host on the morning show and she was talking about how much. She overanalyzes things and she's a worrier and you know, and anything goes wrong, she's, she beats herself up over it. Yeah. And she said what she learned from him and I thought it was really, really good. Uh, he'd say to her, it, anything went anywhere wrong at all. And yeah. he'd say to her, next move, move on. Or, sorry, next play, move on. And yeah. what he'd said to her is that when you're playing rugby, you screw up all the time. You, your pass yeah. is not right. You pick out the wrong player. What you leave it too long, whatever. And mm-hmm. that if you were to kick yourself every time you did that, you'd have a really bad game. And he just said he had learned to get into that. It said, look, next play, move it on. And I thought it was a really nice kind of more of a micro level lesson rather than the big macro thing around empathy and leadership. It's just even at the, 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 the things that we probably are not aware of. Mm-hmm. That affect how we engage with others. I thought it was quite powerful, actually. Yeah. No, that's very English. I really liked that. Right. I had a similar, I had a, I had a, com- I had a similar conversation that this morning. Right? Yeah. yeah. I had my, had my team meeting about an hour and a half ago. Um, we do it. We've got a section on thankfulness. We've got a section on reflection, uh, reflection on the previous week. And then I've got a video where that might, might be one of your videos, Paul, right? Talking about sound and talking about, talking about how to break down a discovery or, you know, get to the power in the sales cycle. This, today it was it was David Goggins right and it was hardcore you know end of quarter motivation type stuff, um, but what I took away from it the kind of disseminated with the team was look if we if we lose a deal right or if something doesn't go right, it's done like what's what's happens happens right it's controllable controllable as we well, like what's next where do we go from here right mm-hmm. what happens and not get not don't get too down on yourself because a lot of the time right and um. My, my VP, Richard McGuinness says all the time, like, you know, it's, it's important right? we've got a number and, and all that fun stuff in sales, we're not, like, we're not saving lives, but we sell productivity software, right? You know, we save someone a couple of hours <laughs> a week, right? So, yeah. you know, it's important, but take your time with it. Don't be too harsh on yourself. What, what are you going to do next? That's right. One foot in front of the other is kind of the, the right way to go about it. So yeah. completely agree with Tommy Bowen and yourself. On, on that, on that way of thinking of things. Yeah. Interesting. You're everything I see, you seem to study it and I've seen some of your certificates as well. You're very uh, technically oriented, right? Yeah. Um, but you also started your own business, which was a social media platform for creatives. They're yeah. very different. <laughs> where, where did that come from? And what did you learn about yourself? Yeah. Good, good, good question. I, on the, on the Facebook, they look very different, but they're actually very, very, very similar, right? So I studied, I studied IT, I studied business, business information technology, 
um, which is basically all around, it's applied computer science, right? So instead of coming out of it, being able to build Mac OS from the ground up, I came out of it being able to build um, an iOS application, right? Or, or a website, right? Things that we could use and commercialize is kind of the idea behind it. Um, and through our final, so I was in a, instead of a dissertation, we had a final year project, right? Yeah. Groups, groups of three or four, right? It's going to be a commercialized business, mm -hmm. business plan and an actual tech product underpinning it. So I, I built most of the underpinnings. It's basically, um, essentially a library management software, um, that I, I built out. So I, so I coded that. So it's a, it's very, very technical. I let the other guys deal with, with most of the, the rest of the rest of the project. Um, but when looking at, when looking at software, most of it's the same, right? Like soft software is by and large a cluster of different queries and like different ways of finding and sorting information, right? All the changes is basically what surfaced up to, to you and I as the end user, right? But you said same line of code is, is probably used across, I'm going to go my Slack up. It's used across Slack, it's used across Zero, it's used across, you know, all of these different things. So it's really about how your mind works and if you conceptualize what does the end user need to see right, and how we store and shape the information and the database, et cetera, underneath. So, so we kind of, kind of came to this realization as along the way of this project, um, because one of my, one of my housemates, who was also one of my projects, uh, one of my partners in the project had this idea for connect, right? So, uh, essentially Facebook for creatives, right? And creates and connects in one, it's not the most original name looking back on it, but, um, but, and he was stronger on the kind of business planning and the, the, the real kind of the way I would define creative side of things, ideas mm -hmm. guy, I, I'd execute mm -hmm. on anything. So he had the idea and I was like, okay, I can, I can, I can do it. Like the stuff I built for library management stuff, uh, library management projects would, would work out, reshape and repurpose it, et cetera. And we could have a, a genuinely viable platform and products for, uh, you know, to take to market. So, um. Yeah, it was, it was technical and that's kind of carried on and, and, and I, I've kept that with me, but throughout that process, I learned more about the kind of real world side of business rather than the conceptual sides of, mm. that I learned throughout the degree, which is all good stuff, but you know, working with partners, right? Trying to, or, or actually implementing uh, search engine optimization, right? things that if you own a business today, you will go through 100% that I've been through, which helps me, you know, through sales, talk to people, right. And, and actually relate with what they're trying to do and then from a business perspective, and then help them overcome those challenges if it was relevant, right. And according to whatever product I was at, at any given time. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a hell of a journey, hell of a journey. We did it for a few years. So it's his final year, um, continued it on. And then I don't know, rightly or wrongly. Uh, I started a grad scheme, a sales grad scheme with, at, at Atos, uh, and I took up a lot of my time. Plus I was now getting paid, right? And I was out, I was outside of uni and I was like, oh, I've got this money, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to party. And once I'm out of work I'm, at that time, I'm, I'm done with work, but I'm not going to go back and, and program this website. So it kind of fell off from there since I was kind of the lead and only developer. Um, but, uh, I don't know, maybe one day, but there are yeah. better, better platforms and better in this yeah. big economy, there are better ways to do it. I'll do it very differently today. You'll also have a head start because mm -hmm. you'll, I, I, I am assuming that you have a newfound respect for how difficult it is to get 
an idea <laughs> off the ground. That yeah. it always sounds easy when you have the idea, and then when you try yeah. to make it work, it's it's exceedingly difficult. It's it's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult, and not not only did I think it's difficult to make it work, right? But I think and there are a lot of challenges around it, right? And it's 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 kind of knowing, knowing what to do and where to go is 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 a part of it. But a lot of it is is kind of within yourself as well, right? Mm-hmm. That, there are all sorts of stats, right, about entrepreneurs and stuff, start businesses and how many failed in the first year versus the second year, right? Ninety eight percent have gone by third year kind of thing. Um, it's that self discipline and that that mm-hmm. dedication, which at the time that I, that I didn't have. We probably could still be running it now. We yeah. got two years in as I cook. We're not making any money. Um, it's taken up a lot of my time. Like I'm done, right? Yeah. But if you look at it now, you look at like the piece of art uh, artwork on my wall was pretty much bought through a very very similar channel. Well, yeah. the one we created eight nine years ago. Yeah. Um, but didn't exist eight nine years ago, right? So it's viable. We might have might have been ahead of the curve or found on trend. But yeah. within myself, I didn't have what it took to, to truly be an entrepreneur and truly build for myself off the ground and invest the, the, the time and the hours uh, from an immaturity perspective, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I'd, it'd be different now. It would be different now. So let's see. Sorry, I was going to say, speaking of, of being ahead of the curve, I noticed AI popping up in your CV <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then art, combine those two. Have you done any... Have you explored at all any of the Mid Journey or Dali or any of these AI tools for art or well, not just art, but yeah, I've I've not myself. I I do keep it. I do keep tabs on them. Um, I've not explored the tools myself though. But I'm I'm yeah. pretty. I, I spend a lot of time researching and uh, and focusing on the kind of blockchain world. Yes, right? there's and the intersection now. Well, between AI, right, traditional technologies yeah. and art is quite something quite interesting in in, in blockchain, right? especially. Yes, right I'm not. I'm not like big into NFTs, and London are terrible. Um, but with this, at the advent of tools, as you mentioned, there's an actual re- really high quality art, and combined with blockchain, yeah. is slating. So, have you uh, are you familiar with animal concerts? With what sorry? Animal concerts. It's no. Um, all right, Colin Fitzpatrick, uh, ex-Oracle, like yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's where I knew Colin from, and he went out to Dubai. He's now in Brazil, and he started up a company, got some serious funding, and yeah. they've got this business that's in the metaverse. They've created their own NFT, and they're doing concerts for serious, you know, A-level artists, you know, yeah. like the Snoop Dogg and Alicia mm-hmm. Keys, those kind of people. But it is fascinating with what you were saying. It's uh, that that whole area. It's just mind blowing to get you get your head around. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking at it from respect. There, there's a great guy again. It was another podcast I did a few years ago. His name escapes me right now. It's it, but basically his book. It's Scott something. His book is how to get a meeting with anyone. Okay, yeah. And what he does is he he was a uh, sketch artist with, I think it was the New York Times. Uh, a cartoonist, and so what he do he do this piece of uh, art, sketch yeah. a scene. For example, one that he relates to in his book: uh, there's two aliens on the on have landed on Earth, and they're talking to one another. One says to the other, "Not much sign of intelligent life here," uh, yeah. and the other one says, "Except for 
Jimmy Oakey, who's doing some fantastic work. <laughs> and, and he personalizes and he sends it to his prospect, all very, very senior level. And then he calls them up. And I just thought there's an interesting idea in that maybe for some of the, this AI driven art where you can create something that resonates with a prospect. So you can create a scene via text mm. and it creates the art. I, I, sorry, I'm going off on one now. <laughs> what can you do to get people's attention? Because it's getting harder and harder. Put that to one side. Tell me, Timmy, what's what what's motivating you most these days? What's motivating me most is mm. um oh well <laughs> um so I'm I'm recently engaged so I've got to I've got to go congratulations to this got to got to figure out how to pay for wedding um got to figure out that's and easy uh, make it really small <laughs> like yeah. you have a choice in the matter. That's exactly, exactly. I think we're up to, well, we've got a venue. So I paid, paid deposit for the, for the, uh, for the venue a month ago and then went on holiday for two weeks. So <laughs> September was a very expensive month, but, um, yeah, we're up to 120 people. Nice. Um, nice. it's on the border of Kildare and Wicklow, on triple border, actually Kildare, Wicklow and Dublin border. Let's oh, very good. So you're yeah, very much looking forward to that, but that's, that's. From a personal perspective and then personally, that's what motivates me. It's, it's the wedding and, and ideally saving up for a deposit in this interesting environment that we have right now. Uh, but outside of that, from a career perspective, it's, it's looking after people. It's really making sure people get to the next stage, right? Like, I'm, I was, I was fortunate. I was an, I was an eight for seven and a half odd years. I had different companies, lots of companies, 10 people, or companies with 200,000 people, right? And everything in between. Um, I've had good, I've had great managers that have changed my life, right? And I've had atrocious ones that have made me go, I don't want to be in tech, I don't want to be in tech. Um, throughout that, the key, the key common thread, I guess, between the great ones is they cared about me as a person, they cared about where I wanted to go. And they enabled me to get there, where right? they found the resources and they pulled in those resources for me, mm -hmm. or they, or they had them themselves, right? London were Excel's reps and that SVP or whatever. So, um, that's, those are the people I want to become, right? Mm. And, and, and that's the only reason, like literally the only reason I'm in sales leadership. I like the titles, right? One, one day I want to be VP and CRO and these fun, fantastic things. But what I want is. For ten, for eight years later, someone to be on a podcast with Paul Allen and go, Mark Engleby, uh, SVP, right of my first, first, very first sales role, took an interest in me, got me extra training on specific bits that make a, a key difference to get me to that next level, and helped me get that promotion. Right, mm -hmm. that's that's what motivates me. That's that's who I'm. That's what I would love to be to like the people in the, within my team. Um, of people in my, in my previous role, right? one, or, one or two of them have come over and, and followed me across. That's, that's what, that's kind of the only thing that, that matters to me and motivates me really. Um, that's a lovely way of, uh, visualizing success and, and how you visualize it. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Cause you have to, you have to work towards that. It does happen. It happens all the yeah. time. You'd be shocked. Cause it, I think we forget sometimes the, the, the impact you that one individual can have on another, that ripple effect. Cause not alone is that yeah. guy, was it, sorry, Tim, you mentioned his name, not Tim, sorry, but was it uh, Mark? Mark, 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 yeah. Um, 
not alone did he impact you and, and there's others, of course, but he impacted you. That also then has a ripple effect out from you to yeah. the others who you'll impact because of yeah. how you grew from that experience. And yes. when you really kind of go several layers out, it, we, we can, one act of kindness, take an interest in somebody, caring, can have yeah. a massive ripple effect, which we often have no idea of mm. how it's impacted. You know, there's, there's yeah. been so many people who take a chance on you and, and give you a shot when, when yeah. it's a risk for them and mm. the impact that can make as well. Yeah, it's fast. It's, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. I, I don't think we, we often, I think we underestimate the impact that kindness, caring can yeah. have. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent, Paul. I think, yeah. I think part of that is because I, I mean, I don't know, I think maybe some of it is, is kind of at a macro level, lack of self-reflection, like we live in a very fast paced time, right? Um, we probably, I think, uh, a lot of us maybe think a bit highly of ourselves, right? Um, and like, you know, like I think it's there because of me and everything I did, right? Um, but then equally, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think we sit, yeah, just something we sit down enough and go, well, how did I, how did I get here? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Who, who helps me along the way? That's it. That's it. Yeah, there's a wonderful story. I don't know if you're familiar with the Charles Plum, the Charles Plum story. And, no, I... uh, it, it's a real guy. He does all of these motivational talks in the stage. Yeah. He's an he's an ex uh, Navy pilot, World War II vet. And what had happened was he got he was plane was hit, parachuted out, was yeah. captured, prisoner of war, and then years later, um, you know, was was released. Right and. His big thing was he was in a restaurant one time with his wife mm. and in walks this guy he didn't recognize and comes up to him. He says, are you Charles Plum, the, the Navy pilot? The guy says, yeah. He says, uh, who are you? The guy says, I packed your parachute. And oh. <laughs> it, but it was at that instant, that moment, he realized that had that guy not done his job mm. right, he wouldn't have survived. Yeah. And he said, these were the guys that you know, as a Navy pilot, you, you, your, your, your status was, was up there that yeah. we never paid a blind bit of attention to. Mm. These were all the people who had our lives in their hands, whose, whose mm. dedication to their job, to the task yeah, made a difference, but nobody gave them any recognition. Yeah. And, and I, and I like that concept of, you know, who packs your parachute. There is this, mm. uh, that, that success is, 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 you know, it's no, no one is an island type of thing. And, and, uh. Being, you, you mentioned gratitude earlier. I'd like to, mm -hmm. I'd like you to talk to me about that as a process. Um, well, as a how, process, how do, you, how do you practice it? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I try to do it daily. I don't do it daily, <laughs> I should be better at it. Um, I split it into, I mean, I do it with the team, right? And I try to get them to do it outside of professional life. It's one thing mm. that supports, you know, in personal life. Um, for me, I try to do, one, one of, well, I tried to do both. So, so one of each in, in personal life and then in pers uh, professional life as well. So I could be a lot better at it. They maybe journaling and things like that, but I'm going to just sit there, right. And, and think like, what's almost what's going well, right. Like what, for, what am I, what am I blessed to, to be doing right now? What am I blessed to have been experienced in the, in the recent past? 
right? I sit in the backups and genuinely thankful for it, right? And through that, that it, it kind of, I don't, when I, when I think of something that I'm thankful for, when I'm, when I'm really focusing on the thankfulness piece, right? It's one thing, uh, right now, right now, as I told you to say, it's just being able to do what we do, right? Mm. Uh, doesn't mean, doesn't mean I love it, right? It doesn't mean every day is great, right. I'm not a right? Stressful and mm. you know, all that good stuff, but it's, we're fortunate to be where we are and yeah. do what, what we're doing. Um, and that's kind of, when I think of that, it reminds me of how, of, again, like how I got here, but I didn't, mm. I didn't just wake up to this. And the reason I'm thankful for it is, is almost because it's not just me that got me mm. here. Then I'm, I'm very, I'm already thankful for anything that I've done 100%. Yeah. Um, I'm thankful for the people who've been put in my life, like the people who popped up and the opportunities that have popped up mm. that have gotten me to here. So I'm thankful yeah. uh, for them, or with them culminating in this. <laughs> yeah. Is, is probably kind of the, the process or how it works, right? How it, how it pans out. I don't really have a process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just wonder, because I tried it myself a few times, Timmy, and I, I, I can do it for a short amount of time, but then almost yeah. like it's re repetitive because I'm kind of saying I'm thankful for the same things and then it peters yeah. out because it's just repetitive. Yeah. You know, I had a guy on the podcast, a wonderful, wonderful sales director with Microsoft. His name is Rishan Barrett. And mm -hmm. what he does, he practices with his team, which I'd not mm -hmm. seen anywhere else before, where everybody in his team is nominated once a week. So let's say this week, it's your turn. You're nominated. And, and everybody on the team, when he starts his weekly meetings, has to spend a couple of minutes uh, sharing with that individual in front of the team why they're grateful to, for them, to them. What have they done? Maybe it might have been a word of encouragement. Maybe it helped them out. But just, or even it's just, you know, you're a breath of fresh air. You come in, you're positive, and you give everybody a lift, whatever it is. Yeah, And I just thought that's a wonderful thing because for me, gratitude often felt a little bit self-indulgent. Yeah, I, I understand why it's important, but it just felt that way to me. But yeah. when it was done that way in a team environment, the mm. whole team spirit lifts and it yeah. takes the pressure off the leader always to kind of be mm. the one who's dishing it out. And I just yeah. thought that's a wonderful practice. We should do that. I really like that. Yeah, no, it is great. Great. I'm trying, but I'm sharing it with you because I'm trying to um, share it. I, I think it's a wonderful yeah. practice. And if more people, it's such a simple concept. Yeah. Uh, you know, to catch the good stuff. Exactly. Yeah. It is. Yeah. That's the challenge. It's right. It's, it's, it's how do you catch the good stuff? Yeah. It's, but the interesting thing about that then, Timmy, is that if you know every meeting, this is, this is going to be this, you'll actually start watching for it. Yeah. And you'll load yeah. it down. Exactly. Yeah. That's very cool. Okay, I might, I'm gonna, I'm gonna incorporate it into my, uh, <laughs> into my good, good, good. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in your leadership journey as well. When you, when you're going from an individual contributor's role into a sales leader's role, what was it that you struggled the most with? Yeah, great question. Um, I think it's, uh, it was relinquishing, it was relinquishing control. Um, like I was. If I look back at my, my IC career, right. And again, super thankful for the people who helped me and helped me improve. Um, but I'd say for the first four years, probably average, right. Maybe below average. Um, and then I got really good, right. And it's a lot of it's, it was really around sound. There was a few other, a few other methodologies and, and being in the right place. So I turned a whole, whole bunch of things. I got, I got really good. I got really, really good. Right. And the last couple of years, because 
you kind of enter a flow state, right? Similarly, if I go back to rugby, right? You haven't, you, have, you play in a match and everything's just worked, right? You can kind of, you, you, you know that if you, if you run 10 yards that way, right? The ball and the direction of play is going to come that way and you'll be in the right place right time. Can't explain it. Uh, it's like bottling lightning, right? Uh, and that's kind of how it was for probably like the last two and a half, two and a half, all three years of, of being an IC. And then moved into to sales leadership, um, uh, or moved from IC to leading a team of business developers. I knew how I, uh, how I built pipe. I knew how I outbounded, right? And it was ground. I could do it all day, every day. And I was great to you, right? And I get on with it. <laughs> and I had seven or eight people, um, doing it and not me, right? And it wasn't, it wasn't, Hey, I'll wake up. It wasn't, Hey, I'll put an extra half in it. And, hey, I'll record a video. I'll try something different. It's. It was the winning hearts and minds to then do it, right? To then act on, on whatever vision I had. And that, that was really, really tough in, initially. They really, really tough. Um, because you know, rightly or wrongly, I fortunately found it pretty easy, right? Myself. So it's like, hey, guys, yeah, why, why don't we just do it? <laughs> why don't we just do it this way? Right. Um, as, as you all know, Paul, as, as any, as any uh, sales leader announces, <laughs> It's not, not that simple when, when leading a group of people versus leading just yourself. So that was definitely by far and away the biggest challenge I had to move from IC to, to, to leadership. Hmm. Where do you see, as you look towards the future, the challenges for sales leadership as a profession? As a profession, just challenges for sales leadership as a profession, I would say the way I don't know if it's a generational thing, right? I, I don't know if it's, uh, I'd say more than generational, I'd say a cultural shift is probably the biggest, the biggest challenge with the remote and hybrid, um, world. It, it, it really adds a, or throws a span in the works from a sales leadership perspective, right? The, the days of there being a sales floor, getting that buzz, learning through osmosis, oh, you know, John, John said that on the call and Janet said this. Oh, you know, Claire negotiating this way and it landed really well. That's like that, you know, that's gone. Right. And that, that's one of the challenges that I'm facing. I imagine it, you know, it, it may or it may not become a larger challenge as we probably move towards more of a remote world and less of people coming in is how do we get people to learn? <coughs> excuse me. How do we get people to learn and improve, um, and develop their skills outside of just the formalized structured trainings? Um, because those formalized structure trainings are, are great, but they also think it's a certain mentality and a certain type of person who actually gets the most out of them. Right? Then um, people who lose focus after ten minutes and, and you know the rest of the session to dud, but they'll be sitting on the sales floor and hearing these these great nuggets, right? Or they'll they'll go they'll go for a for, a, for lunch or something with a colleague, right? Or you know, water cooler chat. You know, they'll they'll have these little interactions that are just gone now, completely gone. So everything's super formal. Right. Unless you have the, as an IC, you have the impetus to go, Hey, can I pick your brain for 10 minutes? Even that being super, super formal compared to right. sitting next to someone who's asking a question. There's, I, I believe there will be a huge gap in, in knowledge and a decreased rate of, I guess, upskilling, right. Or decreased rate of becoming a productive rep, especially for new reps coming in because they just don't have that anymore. They don't have that access, that ease of access to what's working, what's working well, and what's working, what's working 
on the fly. Because if you asked me what's working well, if I asked you what's, what, what's working well, Paul, you would have a few things. So I guarantee, and I would have a few things, but I guarantee there are a whole bunch of things that we would just forget, right? Or yeah. we miss off the list. That if someone walked around and followed us around anecdotally throughout a day, they'd go, that's what makes the difference. And that's why Paul's class, right? And that's, he's off the charts and Insal is off the charts, you know, uh, and well-known in Ireland is why his podcast doing so it's that. But it's not necessarily what you think it is. Um, so yeah, a bit of a rant there. Sorry, that was wide ring. No, no, not at all. It's, it's really, really interesting because it's one of those things that work remoting was something I think people perceived they were going to have to get through and then one day everything would be fine again. Yeah. And it hasn't turned out that way. It's, it, I think it's here to stay for, for the mm-hmm. most part. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's really because you're right. You mentioned the osmosis thing. A lot of learning is done that way. There's also something else I think. Yeah. Uh, there's a sense of if you're on a sales floor, even if you're not having a great day, but if mm. you see everybody else being, yes. being successful, having conversations, you feel bad if you're not. Yeah. Whereas yeah. it's too easy when you're on your own to allow yourself to be distracted, which is, that's I do this all the time because I've only ever worked on my own. Um, mm-hmm. Well, sorry, that's not true. In Sander, I've only ever worked remotely. Before yeah. that, I obviously worked in companies. And I can see that. But even when I go to a conference and I see colleagues, yeah. just looking at them being successful can make what, and, and, and you see this perceived gap. Yeah. That can be, and, and, and that's hard to replicate when everybody's remote. It's hard to get yeah. that, that cohesive sense of motivation that, that, could, that springs yeah. from just being together. Exactly. But, oh, I get it. It's not around at all. It's, it's, uh, I, I don't know how it's solved. <laughs> that, yeah. I really don't. That's the, uh, sometimes you can't solve something, but you can compensate for it. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know what companies are doing, people like yourself are doing to try and even compensate for that. Mm. Um, yeah, goodness. I mean, it's, a, it's more than a million dollar question. It's probably a multi, multi-billion dollar question at this. At this That's why I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> for us, I mean, it's, it's, it's really difficult. We're, we're, well, we may or may not be unique, but we've grew, we've grown a lot in islands in the last year, right? We basically didn't exist in islands in the last year. What, what that has allowed us to do is gear kind of as much of a higher as possible within reason to be in and around Dublin, right? And in Ireland. And with that, you, we can, we can have this kind of hybrid model where up until like literally three or four weeks ago, it was, you know, work wherever you want, it's grand. Um, and now. We, we've got, we've got a new chief revenue officer around. It's all about kind of AE generated pipeline, right? Pipe gen, pipe gen, pipe gen, which is fantastic. Um, we've built now Tuesday mornings and Thursday mornings. If you're in around Dublin, you know, head into the office, right? Um, and we'll, we've got the morning blocks and we'll sit in the room. We've got a room booked out where we'll make the calls. So, and that's to your, to your point there, right? There are people who don't make or didn't decide to make calls that come in at the top of the, top of the charts, right? And they're booking meetings because they see, they get the vibe and the energy, but they get that on Tuesday and Thursday mornings with the rest of the, the freedom, I guess, of, you know, Mondays, mm. Mondays, I'm, like, I'm upstairs, right? So like, yeah, I'll be in tomorrow, but today I'm home, mm. Wednesday I'll be home, or Friday. So it's a, it's a balance that's not perfect, right? Like, mm. For us, it largely depends on locale. We've got people in Galway, we've got people in Cork, we've got people in, in London, one well in Madrid, right? But. For the ones that are here and the ones that are around, there's an avenue, there's an option for that, uh, that buzz, right? And that, for that, you know, 
vibing and, and, and getting energy of other people on the sales floor, et cetera. Um, for the ones remote, uh, it's, it's the, it's tough. I, I don't have an answer for, yeah. for, for that one, unfortunately. Um, but I do, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting one. Cause if, if the people remote have a bad day, that's one thing I'm really wary of, wary of. If they have a bad day, right. Or, you know, it's this big deal that's lost or it's slipped or you know, whatever it is, they're there on their own. Right. I had this beginning of COVID, I had, I had a hell of a punk fight. Right. One, I had a huge deal with a big, big sporting um, organization in the UK, right? And it would have done, it would have done about half my quarterly number. And it was looking really good. And then went to the COO, got shut down so just as COVID was starting. Uh, got shut down. Then on, that was on Friday and then Monday, but let go about 219 people. I was like, ah. <laughs> and it, yeah. it, it really makes sense, right? Um, but I was, you know, that was, that was me working on the kitchen table. Um, down in Bray, to go on my own. Yeah, I can, I can, yeah, I'd slack someone, I'd rent to someone and all that stuff. But it's different when you're home alone and you kind of, at least for me, which one wary of it for, for the people that I leave and just people or salespeople around is you can, you can really stew when you go, hey, if I've done that differently. Yeah, yeah. And there's, ref there's reflection and then there's getting down on yourself. Yeah. Right? They're two very similar, very, very different things. And that's when, super conscious about for the, for the people who are remote. It's kind of just about being close to them, right? But being close to them, as we said earlier, from one, one foot step or the other, mm -hmm. you know, Tommy Bell, next play and, and yeah. not, getting, not getting too insular because you can, you get in a bad spot. You can, can get in a bad space working remotely and losing the big deal, right? And your quarters, sure. your quarters down or your month's down. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta really show some, some love and put your arms around those people, I think. I think there's something else as well from a rep's perspective that mm. probably hasn't become obvious yet, but I believe it will, is mm. that when it comes to promotion, visibility is everything. Yeah. People don't see you. Very good point. Or, or if, if there's two candidates and one is in the office on a regular basis and they're seen and they yeah. stop by and just say hello or ask a question of their boss. Yeah. That matters. And I don't care. You can, yeah. you can, you can put all the, the, you can call it, it's not fair and that doesn't mm -hmm. make a difference. Yeah. And, uh, I, I can imagine in a year's time, we're going to hear people complaining that they were overlooked and yeah. you, you look at their situation going, yeah, but yeah. you can sue yourself any favors. I mean, I remember when I worked in Motorola, my, I was based in Dublin, but my boss was based in, uh, High Wycombe. And okay. His boss had two offices. One was in High Wycombe in that office and another one was in Slough. Now, you know, right. they're not far apart. Yeah. Uh, Motorola was being a multi-divisional company. And some of the, the biggest wigs, when they would fly into London, they'd hold their meetings in Slough rather than High Wycombe. And so my boss's boss, mm -hmm. he used to base himself, even though everybody who worked for him was in High Wycombe. Yeah. He based himself in Slough a lot of the time. And yeah. that's why he knew he was going to bump into and be visible. And sure enough, it made a huge difference in his career. And yeah. Obviously not the only thing. He still has to work hard and be credible and do all of that good stuff. Of course. But visibility matters. Yeah. Big son. I, um, just super quickly, I, there's a, a kind of, not mantra, but a structure that I kind of live my, well, part of my life, but called PIE, right? It's a P-I-E. Mm. The P is performance. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be there, right? Regardless of wrong, so it's gotta be there. 
but it's not as, it's not as large a determinant in success as people think from a career development perspective, the performance baseline, mm-hmm. I being image, right? So what do, what, how do people view you? Right. Is it a positive light? Is it negative? Mm. Is it positive? But as an IC, or is it positive? Is he helping people? You're coaching people. And then the third, so E, is is exposure. That's directly directly to your point. Right with Slough and High Wickham, you could you could be a top performer. You could have a great image, but firstly, if no one knows you and no one sees you, right? Well, well, what's what's really next for you? Um, but equally, be a top performer, but super selfish, and everyone knows you, and everyone knows you're selfish and top performer. What's next for you? Right, so it's a, mm. it's a, it's a fascinating balance, uh, that, uh, Charlie, Charlie Longfellow, my old, my old VP now, um, instilled in me maybe about four years ago or something now that's helped me massively, right? Do, doing the right things and, and, but also putting yourself out there. As I said, I'm, I'm a massive introvert. I put myself out there for, for the right reason though, right? Yeah. Understanding the why behind it. So it's fascinating. I love that. I love that kind of stuff. Cool. A uh, few quick questions to finish this out, uh, Timmy. Yeah. Uh, now that you no longer play rugby, <coughs> excuse me, what do you do, uh, to unwind when you're not working? <laughs> good, um, good question. I mean, the cliche one is Reeves, but I don't, I haven't read that much in the last few months. So it would be, it would be unfair to, to truly claim that one. I would say, and I walk the dog, I've got a little beach on freeze. I get like getting out and getting away. I, I leave my phone at home. Um, yeah, getting, getting away from screens is best for me. Yeah personally, and just being able to think, right, whether that's something deep or thinking that's something absolutely ridiculous, right? Um, but being able to truly unplug from everything is, is crucial. Nice. Um, desert Island, if you were to go on a desert island, you don't, you don't know whether you're going to be rescued or not. And what, what, what one thing would you take with you? It cannot be a person. <laughs> what one thing would I take? Mm. A desert island. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, I used to take this camera. I mean, lovely. Uh, anyone into cameras, Sony A6600. Very good. Nice one. Yep. Um, or, or my GoPro or my vape, actually. God, look, just look. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did say one, but. <laughs> okay. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go GoPro. I'll go GoPro. And what do you use the GoPro for? Um. So that's a great question. So, I mean, on holiday, it's like jet skiing, buggies, okay. like diving. Uh, ah, so now we're getting, now we're getting to the truth. All these action things. You're a bit of an action man. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Hidden, hidden one, but only recently. Yeah. I like to take my beach on freeze for a walk. <laughs> Talking about skiing and jet skis. Yeah. Yeah. You really are James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> I like you, it. Life. You can't, I can't do those things all the time. You see. Like, yeah. I would do it every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of cameras, I just, last night, I, I buy the stupidest things late at night when my <laughs> defense shields are down. Yeah, but, and I sent off for a Royflex TLR. Oh, no, it's T7. Jeez. Yeah. Some, and, some bit of kit that. Yeah. So you <laughs> might see me in Dublin someday, just standing there like Vivian Mayer or somebody, just waist level this old camera. But it's, it's interesting because, uh, my, my take on it, my thinking on it is that it, it will lower people's defenses, that it, it looks harmless. It's like at this old, in fact, it's interesting. Yes. And that if you're it, taking people, pictures in the street, it doesn't feel intimidating and maybe like a big DLSR might, but yes, 
Anyway. That's interesting. I, I think you're absolutely spot on. Like if you were, if, if I saw you, I would let you take one picture, but I'd also ask questions about it. Like, you don't this see is the... it, and it gets the conversation started. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's my fascination always is, you know, how people work and how to break mm. down bars. But anyway, final oh. question to me, because I'm conscious of the yeah. time. There's <laughs> uh, a book written about your life. What would mm-hmm. you like the title of it to be? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, uh, I don't know, Timmy, like how to, how to live in service, how to, how to live in service of others or something like that. Um, okay. uh, that's, that's a really good title. Yeah. Yeah. Something, yeah. Something like that. It's, it comes back to like the impact that like all, all I care yeah. about is, is enabling people to, um, get better and get to where they want to go to, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does that feel like to you when you see it, when, when that happens? Um, I don't know. It's a way it's, it's, it's tough to describe. It's a, it's a very special thing. It's a, it's a, it's a weirdly special thing. Um. It's, it's an immense amount of prize. One of my, one of my previous, um, uh, employees just got, got an AU gig, right? And he's, he's super happy about it. Um, ah, it's just, it's just an overwhelming sense of pride and happiness. I don't, I don't even think like, Hey, it's great that I did, but it's, it's literally got nothing to do with me. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of pride and happiness. It's, it's really cool. It's a really, really cool feeling. I, I, I love it. It's like, a, it's like an addiction now. It's like, okay, who else can I help? <laughs> who else can I help get somewhere? Um, but yeah. yeah. Timmy, okay. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for giving us the time. Cheers, Paul. Thank you so much. Great conversation. Great questions. Very, very, very fun and intriguing uh, conversation. So thank you and have a good day.